0: It is good to be back, new, new Beginnings, here and see you in the flesh. We've just had a little bit happen in the world since I've been here, right? Yes. Craziness. We could waste way too much breath on talking all of that, and I think some of us have. But we've got good news to get to tonight, right? So we're going to get right into the good news if you're ready for that, okay? Let, let's pray and jump right in. Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be back here at New Beginnings, and I thank you for your presence, which is so powerfully here tonight, God, and the word that will come forth, Father. As we look at your design for us, God, I pray that this would be a healing word, that it would be a freeing word for people. We pray in expectancy of what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me start off right with a question here for those of you who will be bold enough to admit this. By a show of hands, who would say that even a little bit, you feel a little bit outside of a box or a little bit like you don't fit a mold or a little bit like an outsider or like a square peg trying to get into a round hole. Anybody here? Okay. (laughs) Most of us, right? We all think that we're alone in that usually, but if you were to look around, most of you feel that way. You want to know why? Because there is no mold. You were designed to be different. If you go to Psalm 139, it's a favorite psalm of most of ours. It's David, and he's praising the all-knowingness, the omniscience of God. And he starts out really the first 12 verses, 1 through 12, talking about how God knows things about him that he doesn't even know about himself, his thoughts before he thinks them, his words before he says them. And then he goes in verse 13. You have made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Now some people, not any of you, but some real religious stuffy people, they'll hear a message like this and they'll say, You know there's really nowhere in the Bible where God says that he makes people unique with a unique plan. That's a modern message. Well, okay, maybe he doesn't actually say that in those specific words, you legalistic thing, but (laughs) the message is in there. I mean, David certainly is not the Only human being that God foreknew are knitted together, and knitted together, by the way, is not describing some assembly line process of the same person, of the same person, the same person. No, it's an intricate process, a thoughtful process of weaving all these threads together, all of these connected parts so that no two human beings could ever be the same. That sounds pretty unique to me. But then he goes on even more unfathomably. Verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now get what that says there, if you can. I mean, I can't totally fathom it either. Don't ask me to totally explain the theology of it, but the word says that God knew you before you were ever born, that all of your days were laid out before him. I mean, sometimes I think that we think that God just kind of found us in some sorry state and is now trying to figure out what he can do with us or if he can do anything with us. When this verse is saying that God had a plan and fit you to that plan. The plan came before the man or the woman. And let me minister this point to you for a minute because I'm sure that there are some of you in here who have lived your whole life thinking that you are nothing but an oops or an accident, that you are nothing but a mistake of your parents or the result of some unfortunate situation, and the enemy has used that to make you believe that your life is somehow less significant or less valuable. I mean, I can get that to a certain extent. I'm the last of four boys, and by quite a bit. My closest brother in age to me is eight years older than me, so it's me and then them by a big gap. And maybe you're thinking what I've thought before, what other people have said to me before. Well, I bet you were an accident. And my parents claim that's not the case. They probably are just trying to be nice. But I used to throw that in their face in high school, like, well, I was just unwanted anyway, and, you know, used that to kind of coddle up some victim mentality, I guess, until God finally shook it off to me, realizing that I'm here because he wanted me here. I mean... If God wouldn't have wanted me here, I wouldn't be here. But I'm here because he wanted me here. I started out as a plan in his mind before I was ever in anybody else's mind. And it's the same with you. There are no oops and accidents. You may have entered this world through a less than perfect circumstance, but God doesn't need perfect. And you might just need to reframe how you think about your life anyway. You might just need to think God wanted me here so badly that he used an ordinary circumstance to do it. But God wanted you. And by the way, you didn't come from your parents anyway. You came through your parents. You came from the mind and the heart and the plan of God, and he just found a vessel to bring it all to life. That's why how you began does not have to impact your plan. And you should say hallelujah to that one because that's good news. But now when we talk about the parts of a person, the parts of us, Those who study human identity, they have discovered what David said long ago, that surprise, surprise, we're complex, we're made of many parts, right? And some of them are obvious to most of us, I think, our physical features. I mean, you look around and we all look different. We have different skin colors and hair colors and eye colors, the shapes of our features, our weight, our height. Some of us are blessed to be tall and others of us are blessed, like me, to be the last to know when it rains. I take what I can get, right? Pastor Joe, you know, yeah. <laughs> our, our personalities are definitely different, right? Some are introvert, some are extrovert. Nobody falls purely extrovert or introvert either. I mean, we're all on a spectrum different. Our intellect's the same way, not just our capacity for information, but what we do with information, are we more creative, are we more abstract, are we more logical and structured or different? Our passions, our interests, how we see things, I mean, you open up your favorite social app and you're going to see pretty quickly that that's all different with people. I mean, I'm amazed how some of you just love to do things that would bore me to tears, I I look at some of you greeters here in the church, and I thank God for you because I could not do that. You serve a very necessary part in the church. I am amazed how some of you love coffee. Most of you probably. The few, yeah, I see hands. The few times that I have had it, and I try to only make it a few, I mean, I end up praising God for his promise that believers can drink anything deadly, and it shall not harm them. (laughs) To me, it would gag the dog, but for some of you, you can't get by without it. Different. And those are just four areas. And we could talk about others, but they are really four variables with an infinite amount of variables. I think God's got this bag of uniqueness up there when he's knitting us together that he puts all of it together to form somebody that cannot possibly be the same as somebody else. Now, when I talk about differences here, Let me just say this right up front so that nobody misunderstands what I'm saying. I am not saying that everything about you is God's design. I am not saying that everything about you is God's gift to this earth. You might have thought that, but I'm not saying that. The truth is we live in a broken world. And we experience things and we deal with things and we have things that aren't the way that they were supposed to be. As a part of the broken world. And certainly things have happened to us and we've made mistakes and choices that God would have rather us not made. Definitely our environments shape us in ways that God didn't have any part of. But still, regardless of how you're broken, regardless of what you struggle with, what you deal with, God is not surprised either. That Psalm that we looked at David said that God knew everything. He saw our lives, all of the cards of our lives laid out before him. That means he saw the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life. And he didn't look at all of it and say, oh, this one's a mess. I'm going to scrap the plan and bring somebody else to life. No, he brought you to life. Why would he do that? Because in his plan, he's accounted for all the complexities and complications of what make you you because in his plan he planned a way to redeem and repurpose even the things that he didn't mean for you god had a plan all along to take the dirty and make it clean to take the wrong and make it right to fix the broken to take the ugly and turn it into beauty you know what that plan's called it's called jesus Amen. it's called the plan of salvation the bible says at the moment that you said yes to Jesus. And when I say that, I mean that you said, yes, Jesus, I believe you are God's son. Yes, Jesus, I believe you did what you said you did. You died and you resurrected to forgive me of my sins, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and put me at peace with you. When you said yes to that, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And if you've never done that, If you've never said yes to Jesus, then you just hold on tight here. You just take in everything that I'm about to say throughout this message because heads up, at the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and leave here being that new person, having even more than I'm going to talk about tonight. But for the Christians, those of you who are what we call born again, when you said yes to Jesus, you were placed in Christ. And I talk a lot about being in Christ throughout the ministry that God's given me. It's a big thrust of this ministry. I mean, I'm even wearing a t-shirt. My identity is in Christ. So I could do a whole series and then some on what that means. But the gist is that at that moment that you said yes to Jesus, a supernatural change happened in you. You were re with the qualities of God. You got Jesus' righteousness despite yourself. I mean, that's huge enough but you also got fruits. You got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, self-control. You got gifts, different gifts that he dispersed to different people that make up its own uniqueness so that when you became a Christian, you didn't become somebody that looks like every other Christian so that we don't all talk the same and walk the same and look the same and act the same and think the same and sing the same. And I know that's kind of been perpetuated in the body of Christ a little bit, that there's almost this evangelical look and sound that changes a little bit generation to generation, but maybe that's the source of some of your battles is that you think that you are dealing with spiritual warfare when really maybe you're feeling the tension of trying to change something that God didn't intend to be changed, that he gave you from the first place. Maybe you think you're fighting the devil when really you're fighting God in certain areas. And I tell you, if that's the case, you're gonna be battling, you're gonna be battling forever. And I get it. I mean, if, you've, if you have read any of my books, or I mean, I've been here a number of times, you hear my stories, I talk a lot about being an introvert And years ago, the enemy really exploited that into a lot of rejection that I dealt with and things like that. And so, I mean, when I got the call of God on my life, I really thought that me being introvert was the devil's design to try to hold me back from everything that God had for me. So I was binding and rebuking and casting out introversion go in Jesus' name, and nothing was changing and I was getting frustrated. And finally, God settled me down a little bit. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, I think, throughout this message. But the Bible calls Christians a peculiar people. And some of us were more peculiar than others. (laughs) Some of us were weird before we were Christians, and then we got the heart and the mind and the fire of Jesus, and we got a whole lot weirder. (laughs) And the world doesn't get us, and you know what? A lot of the church world doesn't get us either. I've gotten more criticism, I think, from the church world sometimes, because the world kind of might maybe look at you and say, okay, you should be different, but I don't know why, but maybe you should. But the world, I mean, the church world, they they can really cause you some grief, right? When I was writing my second book, I think it was, and I was five years in my own ministry and more years that in ministry in general, I mean, I wasn't hiding what I was doing, and... I overheard that this little group of Christians over here thought it was weird how Kyle talks about God so much. I thought it was weird that they thought it was weird because I'm like, I've been doing this for five years. I'm in the middle of writing a second book. I mean, you better hope that I am talking about God a whole lot. Otherwise, where is all of this coming from? This isn't a hobby for me. We could talk about that more, but Lord have mercy on your people. Thank- <laughs> Thankfully, he does, right? Right. We all need it. But my point is, the moment that you said yes to Jesus, God took all of the ways that you were knitted together in the womb, that he knitted together. He redeemed and repurposed your story, and you got the qualities of Jesus, which created not a cookie-cutter identity in Christ, but it created a custom-made identity in Christ. That all made the new you that he then took and put in something even greater. He put it in something called the body of Christ so that you have a personal plan inside of a much larger plan. If you look at Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So there you see right there that that's kind of the New Testament version of what David was saying, that God had a plan before you were even made and you were fit for that plan. But it's also saying that we are a masterpiece, that we are a masterpiece inside of a masterpiece. Now, if that boggles your mind here, I've got a little illustration for us here. This is a picture of a painting that a friend of mine did. His name's Eric Samuel Tim. And this is the face of Jesus. This represents the body of Christ. Now, on your screen here, if you guys can put that picture up, you can see that. I turned it into a mosaic. But from a distance, it looks like this, right? You see the face of Jesus. But if you guys start the video, you will see that you zoom into the face and you will see many faces with all different colors, all different shapes and sizes, and you can bet stories and different personalities. They all make up the face. You can choose anywhere in the body of Christ and you will find different people. They have to be different because if they were all the same, guess what? It wouldn't make... It wouldn't make the face. And this is exactly... What Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says, All of you together make Christ's body. And each of you a part of it. So when you said yes to Jesus and you got your identity in Christ, all of that uniqueness was placed inside of the body of Christ and given a role. And Paul goes on after that verse and 1 Corinthians 12, 27, and talks about all these different roles, and he talks about gifts, disperse different things so that you have a unique role in the body of Christ to do something with your uniqueness that somebody else can't. But now here's where the deception comes in, and I think part of it's just human nature, but we look at the group we're a part of or we start to look at the role that we're in and we look at everybody else around us that's in that same group or role and we start to think, am I okay here? Do I fit? And the first thing we do is we start to see how we're different and we start to fear, oh no, they all look like that. They all talk like that. They all think like that. Maybe I'm not the same. Maybe this counts me out. And then we do one of two things, right? We either hide the thing that we're different about because we think, oh, if they find that out, we're going to get the boot. Or we try to change that thing and stuff it into the mold that doesn't actually exist. I mean, when I first came to my personal relationship with the Lord, and definitely whenever I perceived some of what God was going to do with my life, I started to look around. I mean, first I started looking in the scripture and I told you I'm an introvert and it just seemed like everybody that was preaching in the scripture just was an extrovert and they had something that I didn't have and they were something that I wasn't. And every evangelist that would come to the church, they would practically all seem to have a story about how they led the whole airplane to the Lord on the way to the church. (laughs) And even to this day, I'm on an airplane and somebody tries to talk to me and I'm thinking, would you please shut up? (laughs) It's true. And then I look around at other preachers my age that are, you know, doing this kind of thing and they all have a wife and kids and a dog and I'm single and I tried a dog for two months and it didn't really work out for me. (laughs) And a lot of them talk real hipster with yo and dude and bro. And I don't really talk that way. I mean, I'm more of an old soul than a millennial. And for some people, my theology is too charismatic. And for others, it's not charismatic enough. And so the devil is just highlighting all of these things that I felt like I just didn't fit for this. I mean, maybe nobody else saw it, but I felt that. So I'm here complaining to God, God, I don't believe that I fit into what you have called me to do which is a goofy thing to say, but that's kind of what we say, isn't it? And so I tried changing things. I made adjustments, and there's nothing wrong with making adjustments. That's fine, but I ended up always defaulting back to me. And God said, why don't you just be you? He said, I've given you a personality, a style, and a story to reach people that others can't with theirs. Use the gift of you. And you know, God says the same thing to you. You are a package, a present, one big box of uniqueness that is a gift. That is a gift to this body. That is a gift to the body of Christ at large. That I promise you that if you will capitalize on the ways you are unique, that's where you'll find your most success and satisfaction in life. People ask me all the time, they'll say, Kyle, how do you get started in ministry? And they want the practicals and the tacticals and the strategies. And I usually give them something that they don't expect right up front. I say, hone in on your uniqueness. Especially in this world because there's a lot of noise out there, right folks? I mean, there are a lot of voices out there trying to vie for attention. And if you're going to look the same and talk the same and be the same as everybody else, you're not going to get hurt. And I'm not talking about being gimmicky for the sake of being gimmicky, my goodness. There's enough of that out there and that's nauseating. But what I'm saying is embrace your authentic self, the person that God designed, and how you stand out will stand out, and that's what God will use to get people's attention. I promise you, if you hate the sound of your voice, it's probably gonna be the sound of your voice that God uses to attract people. (laughs) If there are aspects of your story that are different or that you're not fond of, if you'll get a little bit fond of it, that's what people will connect with. That's what God will give you a ministry through. It's your differences that he will use as a part of that good plan that he had long before the world began for you. I think about in my life, I mean, all of the things so far that I felt made me an outsider actually have turned out to be what's counted me into the plan of God. Maybe not everybody's mind, not in everybody's mind, but definitely in God's mind, I think. A lot of you know me for the shut up devil app. Well, that came about because of the insecurities of my story. Aspects of my story is why people read my books. It's why that they will listen to me, especially when I talk about some of the rejection and things that I faced as a child and especially at the beginning, it wasn't always easy to talk about some of that stuff, but people will still write into me and come up to me today and say, that's what I related to, which got me tuning in. I've always been a technology geek. In school, that didn't make me very popular. But today... That's what God has used to connect me to people. Much of the impact that this ministry has is through a screen. Now obviously as Christians, we have to have consensus on some things. I mean we have to have consensus on the life and the death and the burial of Christ, the essentials in the word of God. But beyond that, it's not our similarities that make the difference. It's our differences that make the difference. And I wanna show you here for the last few minutes that we have, I wanna show you why God may have given you some of your differences. And maybe some surprising ways to some of you, but you look at when God chooses somebody. He sets them apart for a purpose. That's called holiness, that's what holy means, to be set apart. It's really not so much something that you do as much as it is something that God does for you. Israel, his people, he made them a nation. He set them apart. And he set them apart for a good reason. So that when the other nations would look at them, through them they would see him. He wanted them to stand out so that when the other nations looked at them, they would see his protection, they would see his goodness, they would see his affection, and they would say, There is a God in Israel. Well, how much more is it for we New Testament believers? God wants to use your life, your uniqueness, to show his goodness that leads people to repentance. I think about Matthew, the Apostle Matthew, one of the 12. When Jesus said, hey, come follow me, you know where he was? At that moment, he was in his tax collector booth. They hated tax collectors. I mean, we're not fond of them today because we don't like to give our money away, but hopefully they do it a little more justly today than they did it back then. Back then it was not just, and so the Jewish people hated tax collectors because they saw them as traitors. People sold out to the government to steal their money, but yet Jesus says to a tax collector, I choose you, and he probably looked around, Matthew did, and thought, I don't fit the mold. This can't be me. A religious leader wouldn't, wouldn't choose me, Now, I'm not saying that God made Matthew a tax collector, but this is a pretty good example of how God will take even those parts of your story that he didn't intend and use them as a part of his plan to do something that he had planned all along. I mean, it's mind-blowing how he does it. And at least part of Matthew's plan, I think, was so that he could introduce Jesus to other people like him. And that's exactly what happened right after He followed Jesus, they had a party at Matthew's house where the Bible says that many tax collectors and sinners got to know Jesus. And God wants to do the same thing through your story, to introduce Jesus to people like you, or like from where you came from. I mean, introverts relate best with introverts. Parents, you relate with other parents. People have been divorced, they relate with people who have been divorced. I mean, you pick your situation, And what you've been through is a good indicator of the people you're called to. The Apostle Paul, I mean, he's another great example. Pharisee turned Christian in a dramatic turn of events. And he had an over-the-top zeal and a personality that really rubbed people the wrong way. I mean, you read through the New Testament and Paul and the other apostles didn't always get along. He and Peter kind of butted heads and they all kind of went their own way. Not everything about Paul's personality was godly, I'm sure, but I bet the base of it was because God needed somebody that wasn't passive and kind of go with the flow in order to start the church. He needed somebody that was going to be bold and maybe a little bit confrontational and bulldoze through some things to do the plan that he had all along. And so Paul, the things that maybe he didn't like about himself and definitely some of the things that other people didn't like that's what God used to send him out to the Gentiles, kind of forced him out there in order to show the people that God loved who Jesus was, to show him the face of Jesus, to show him his goodness. Some people, I think, that God has just designed you to shock a whole lot of people. Because some people think they've got God all figured out. And some people think they know who God loves and who God doesn't and who God's going to use and who God doesn't and who's in and who's out. And some of you, I'm just pretty sure, were designed just to prove that wrong. The Bible says that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Some of you can relate with being one of those foolish things. Well, Timothy could too. You know Timothy, Apostle Paul's protege? You might know that he helped build the church, oversee the church, establish the church. A lot of us are here. We're here, all of us today, as the church with his help. But what you might not know is that Timothy was a no-no. He was the product of a no-no, which back then they thought made him a no-no. You see, his mother was Jewish and his father was Greek, and the two of them getting together to make Timothy was not okay in those days. So they considered Timothy a half-breed. I mean, it's sad, of no fault of his own, of no choice of his own. He had a lot of limits in his life that he couldn't do, but that's how life is. I mean, life is not fair. He couldn't be educated with the other Jewish boys. He couldn't marry a Jewish woman. He wasn't supposed to celebrate Jewish festivals. Yet God chose him. God chose him to help establish the church, to have a huge role. I mean, why would God do that? Why would God not select some, you know, respectable Jewish family man that might have fit a better business model, you know, that might have been better fit for the church growth model and guaranteed a little more success? Well, I think it's because God wanted to shake the legalism off some people. I mean, back then, they were still arguing over food laws and over circumcision laws and whether the Gentiles needed to be following Jewish law. And so I really think that God designed and just brought up somebody who just broke all of their traditions in order to advance the church. And I am pretty sure, I mean, actually, I think I'm 100% and then some sure that God molded some of you just to break a mold, just to show and surprise and shock a whole lot of people into seeing how God uses and loves people that people never think he would. Why? Why? because he's good. We could go through all kinds of stories and examples throughout scripture of why God uses our differences and different people. I mean, we could talk about Jeremiah and John the Baptist and just go on and on. But the point is that God made you you with all your uniqueness. He redeemed those parts of your story that he didn't intend to make you new. He put it all in Christ so that you could reflect an aspect of the face of Jesus. There we go. The face of Jesus that somebody else couldn't. It's your differences that make up all the shades and the features inside the body of Christ. You have a plan inside of a larger plan. I mean, you're sitting here in this body of Christ. That's part of a much larger worldwide body of Christ, but this body needs you. This body right here needs not the pretend you. It needs the real you. It needs your gifts and your talents given to you by God. It needs your personality, your style, and story so that through you and through all of you together in this masterpiece called New Beginnings, so that you all can show this community, can show this state, so that people will say because of you there is a God in New Jersey. There is a God in brick. So people will look at you and say, wow, if God can put up with them. God can love them and forgive them, then I guess He can love and forgive and put up with me too. Now, God gave me a word as I was preparing for this message. For whoever in here will receive it, and I think most of you, some of you, this might really free you. I think everybody, you'll get something out of this here. Really take this in. God says to the one who struggled all your life to find where you belong who's tried to make sense of your differences only to feel rejected and wrong. May you know the affection of your creator and take in my thoughts for you. To you I say, my child, you are no mistake nor the product of some random chance, but you are the outcome of my choosing, the result of my steady hand. When people mistake you or forsake you, remember that I never will, I will remain before you and behind you, always with you and beside you. Now go be bold and be brave for I have brought you into this world to help bring a brighter day. Come on church, do you receive that this evening? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for how you have made us, God. Sanctify us, Lord, for even those things that you didn't mean for us, Lord. Turn the bad into good and use us, Lord, in this body to show something to the world that desperately needs to see your goodness. In Jesus' name. Now, let me just talk to you real personally here. I said earlier that I was going to give anybody that hadn't ever said yes to Jesus an opportunity to do that. So if you all would bow your head. As I said some minutes ago, God didn't design everything in our life. We're broken in ways that this broken world did to us. But he made a way. He made a way to turn the broken and fix it To turn what's wrong to be something that's right, to take all the ugly and make it beautiful. He made a way for you to walk out of here tonight knowing that you are brand new, knowing that the past is the past, knowing that you are part of a family with a purpose. If there's anybody in here tonight that's never said yes to Jesus, yes, Jesus, I believe you are God's son, yes, Jesus, I believe you died to forgive me and cleanse me and make me right with you. Would you just raise your hand if you'd like to do that? Anybody in here say yes, that's me. I see your hands, yes. Raise your hand, say yes. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to walk out of here knowing that I am new, that I've been made right. Raise your hand. Yes, I see your hands. Anybody else? We're just gonna pray. We're not gonna embarrass you or anything else. I just wanna pray with you. Okay. Okay let's all pray this just say Father I thank you for Jesus I believe he is your son I believe he died and resurrected to forgive me of my sin to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and put me at peace with you so credit his work To my account, I believe you, Jesus. Make me new and right. I thank you, I am saved. I am set free. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I might live every day in your power and more and more and more like Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's give a round of applause to those who did that. That's awesome. The great thing is, is you're part of a family, the body of Christ, and there's a body of Christ right here that wants to love you and wants to walk through life with you. And they'd like to meet you right after this service if you'd like. They've got a gift for you. I mean, people didn't have gifts for me back when I was doing this so many years ago. But now we give gifts, so that's awesome. So there's going to be prayer team here at the end. And if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, and you still say, I want to say yes to Jesus, come talk to them. Let them give you the gift and let them love on you a little bit. Amen? Amen? Let's all make a declaration here. Say, God loves, me. God, loves me. God chose me. God chose me. I have a unique plan. I have a unique plan. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you, New Beginnings. <laughs>